This episode is brought to you by First Response. First Response recognizes that not all pregnancies are the same and neither is the road to get there. The First Response brand is fervently committed to supporting, sharing, and empowering all pregnancy journeys and providing accurate information, especially to those struggling with infertility, loss of a baby, and maternal health inequities. With a variety of tests that detect pregnancy hormones early and often, First Response is there for you every step of the way. All First Response pregnancy test products are available for purchase at all major retailers in-store and online. Be sure to pick one up today. A quick note before we get into the episode, Oversharing is a podcast for entertainment purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical or psychological advice. Always seek the advice of your physician or mental health professional. Hello and welcome back to Oversharing. I'm Jordana Abraham. And I'm Dr. Naomi Bernstein. So great to be back. Happy birthday. You know, your birthday was last week. Thank you. It's crazy. I'm like a middle-aged woman. Like, it's so weird. I what is like middle-aged? I don't know. I mean, I'm 44. 40s? Yeah. Well, I was thinking that about turning 34, which I'm turning 34 in a few months. And I'm like, I'm like a lady. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, I'm like someone, right. like a woman. Right. Like, you're no longer like in your 20s. You're like a young woman. And now right. I'm just kind of like a woman. Right. Sometimes I get such a weird thought. Sometimes I'll think like if I was in a news story and someone wrote like, you know how sometimes they'll just put in parentheses like 44 or like they put the age of the person when they're yeah. writing like a, if you if you were like abducted and they were like, yeah, Jordana Abraham, 34. Yeah. It's like, what does that mean? It's like you're you're not like, a, you know, a very young woman that got abducted. You're right. like, a, you know, it's like kind of like, you know, um, what I don't know what that thought is, but it's just this interesting thing of like, what does it mean when they put that age there? Like, why is that so important? Why is it relevant? Um, I guess in terms of like abduction, it's kind of like, you know, like you kind of get a sense of why someone would be. I don't think someone abducts a 34 year old woman for the same reason they abduct like an 18 year old woman. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So like, what does that mean? Like now I'm in it's, this age where like, you feel a little less, decide. a little less badly that I got abducted. Like if I'm, you know, if I'm like, you know, obviously if someone's like 16 and they get abducted, it's like the worst, right? Yeah. It's like a child. Then when you're like, you know, 21, it's kind of like a little different. 34, it's kind of like, oh, that's sad. But you know, she, lo- she what lived a life. What do they want with her? <laughs> For her to like make sure that you get like the pool chairs? <laughs> she's super anal about that kind of um, thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um, funny. So yeah, now I'm 44. I don't know what that would- How are your 40s? Like generally you know, as a decade. I, I, I love them. They're great. Honestly, I feel settled. I don't have like a lot of you know, existential anxiety. I'm not like, I'm young enough that I'm not really afraid of like being super old and like dying, but I'm old enough that like, I have pretty much come to terms and kind of what I'm doing with my life and what I want out of it and creating meaning and, and, and you're happy uh, with it. Right. I mean, yeah. it's funny. Cause like, I feel like 44 is when you might have a midlife crisis if you were unhappy. I mean, I'm sure you see yes. a lot of patients with a midlife crisis. Yeah, for sure. And do you feel like that comes when you get to a certain age where you're like, oh, I'm not young anymore. I'm now looking at my life. I don't know if I actually like where I am at this point. Because it does feel more like set, I think, when you're in your 40s. You're like, this is – this is my life. It's right. Not. It would be very hard to make a career change at this point. Not that you couldn't, but it right. would be hard to, 
you know, and it's interesting because sometimes I think like I am very content with my life. It's simple. It's not, you know, we're not like doing a ton of super interesting traveling experiences or like really, you know, I'm not like going and volunteering and in foreign countries and like doing, there's some things that if I let my mind go there, I might be like, I want this type of meaning in my life that I don't have. I mean, I really do generally just feel very content with the simple life that, that I've created for myself. But I think it's just an interesting perspective on like your mindset is your reality. Like I think if I was different and I was more seeking, I might be like, I want to be, you know, volunteering more. I want to be, you know, traveling and healing the world a little bit more, doing things on a bigger scale. Perhaps I could see myself feeling, Mm -hmm. um, missing something in that way, but I don't really, I don't, my mind just doesn't naturally go there. It's not like a sticky thought for me, but I do think if you're seek, if you're the type of person that's going to be seeking, you can always kind of be seeking something, you know, like I, I, I'm going to take it while I have it right now. I feel very happy in my like routine life that I have. Yes. I'm sure there are days where I'm like, Oh gosh, all I do is like work and mom and work and mom. And then, you know, but overall I'm very grateful for that life right. and both of those roles. I think it's cause I love what I do for work too, which is really helpful. Yeah. And you do help on a grand scale. Look at the show. Yeah. This show is, it really is. I'm, I'm very thankful for this cause it allows me to, you know, do what I do on a bigger scale than just, you know, I can only see so many patients in a week. Right. So this does allow me to, to help. I hope, well, I hope it helps I think people. You're very inspiring for 44. And Aww, um, thanks. I hope to be as content as you are in 10 years. It is funny how we're like pretty much almost exactly 10 years apart. I know. Like ten, 10 years and two months. It's weird. It does feel like, um, like I get the, I get my insights into the decade ahead of me for me. Right. Like a decade is an interesting marker, but it is weird because like I'm 44, but like, I really feel like I could be the same, like 25 year old that like just graduated college or whatever. Like I just, well, you look young and oh, sprightly. Thank you. Yeah. Just Thanks. wiser. Yes. I do feel wiser and just kind of like I have control of my mindset a little bit more, which feels nice. Well, it does feel like there's this period, like in the th- in your 30s, when you're like having kids or trying to have kids, where when it does feel like there's maybe like more unknown. And then I would imagine when that phase is done, or at least when you're like done having kids, you can kind of be like, well, this is like, this is set now. Or right. You kind of have a sense of who your kids are, what they're right. like, like yeah. the full hand that you've been been dealt, and totally, your and you're kind of like, okay, this is what it is and some and it's great you know you're very happy with that and and i think that it's uh it's it's really great the mindset that you have and i imagine some people without that mindset get to that point where like you can look at that in a totally different way where i'm like we're like oh this is set and now i'm terrified because nothing's ever going to change again yes i think there is a, an aspect of that too but i know that you can you know the world is always changing and you could do different different things. And you know, it's interesting, kind of unrelated, but related. And this is just a, a vulnerable moment of me with you. And I guess our listeners, which is that as a therapist, I do help people through really hard stuff and like wrapping your mind around changes that you don't want to accept or things that are happening in your life. And sometimes I have this thought that's like, I really am very blessed 
and, you know, that I have, you know, a husband who's very loving. We have a wonderful relationship. I have healthy children. Like I'm financially stable, like those three aspects Mm -hmm. just right there that a lot of people don't have. And I, you know, I do understand how it might feel like, how can you understand how it feels to not know if I'm going to meet my person or how could you possibly understand what it feels like to not know if you're going to be able to have children or how could you understand how it feels to not have financial security? And that, you know, I, I do often think to myself, like, I try to embody everything that I talk to my patients about, but I'm a, a real person. And I, you know, I do wonder, you know, what, how would it change the way that I work with people if I did have something, God forbid, terrible happen or had to work around. And I've had, obviously we've had, you know, definitely, you know, a lot of family issues and childhood stuff that's, you know, impacted us both. But as far as like how it's turned out in terms of like having these, these big stable life forces, I'm very aware of how blessed I am in those areas. And I do sometimes as a therapist wonder how it would affect me if I got knocked off my ass. Um, Right. Which is an interesting thought, you know, and it's, it's, you know, it's kind of a big deal, I guess, for me to share that on this show, Um, you know, as a person who's a healer and I try to help people and I try to help with the mind and the mindset and training your brain and rewiring your brain but I'm also very aware that I'm coming at it from a place where I am gifted a certain amount of stability in a lot of big picture ways. So I'm very aware of that when I work with people and in my own meanderings of my, my mind, I sometimes go to this place of like, I wonder how it would, what would happen or what type of different therapist I would be if I wasn't. Well, I almost feel like it is like you've already done the work to protect yourself against that throwing you totally off base. I mean, to an ex- to as much as you possibly could with your like, some people wouldn't be like meditating if they felt like they had a happy life. Like I don't mm-hmm. really do that stuff when things are going well. <laughs> like, right, right, right. You wait like, till it's like. Right, I wait until it's like too late and then it, it's not as helpful. But I do think the fact that you already, you know, you do all that stuff makes you have this mind because it's not just like your circumstances. It's you could, you could have two people with the same exact set of circumstances and one person is miserable and they're mm-hmm. focusing on the things that are lacking and another person who is like super grateful and super happy. Um, yes. And I think that's true for literally any of your circumstances. Yes. Obviously, it's a little easier when they're like when they're clearer or they seem like, society, you know, you know, I mean, like you have three healthy kids and and a loving husband and like financially stable, like you said. But like, I don't think that any situation is beyond someone looking at it and saying like, I wish I had more or something different or totally and ruminating on that and that becoming their intrusive thought. And then that becomes their way of living. So I don't think I know that I could jump in there and be like, my life is so boring. It's the same thing every single day. Like I want something new. I want to, you know, I'm tired of, you know, just whatever, like the, the life of a, of a mom who's constantly taking care of people all day and, you know, just being a caretaker all the time. Like I could go to that place and I'm sure people do. Um, just being exhausted with whatever the nuances of their day are. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think you could, I appreciate that, but I, you know, I do have this thought of like, not that I'm wishing for it because I'm certainly, certainly not, but like, I wonder 
like what it would be like to be challenged in the way that some of my patients are really challenged on big picture existential things, like not having a partner, not having, you know, if if you want to be a mother, not Mm -hmm. being able to be a mother or a father or whatever, you know, dealing with like a major health crisis or these types of things. So um, I'm very aware of it. And I do try to like practice and, and maintain that, like you said, even within the calm of it, try to kind of maintain that sense of of peace and stability. But, um, yeah, I didn't know that I was going to go there with this this morning, but, um, well, I think that's, that's great. And it's, it's a vulnerable thing to share. And I think that like, you know, the most you can do is just like you, like keep doing what you're doing and, right. you know, practicing gratitude and yes. kind of stuff because yes. again, like people can find flaws in anything or they can find beauty in anything. It's like really depends on what your mindset is. So I feel like you've got the mindset down and you're going to, you'd be able to take whatever came your way. Yeah. I, I hope so. That's the, that's the goal. Cause I know that this universe spins around and shit's going to happen. So like, I'm not, you know, that's exactly why I try to be very mindful and grateful of the, the little moments that make up my life instead of what many people do. And I do it sometimes too. We all do it. It's like finding the problem, finding the thing that you wish was different, finding the thing that could be a little bit better, like trying to maximize, you know, your life in ways that ultimately don't matter. Cause then when you get that maximal thing, thing. right. You're going to change the channel and want something else. So, well, I think it's um, inspiring, but speaking of, you know, your mindset around life, we have something very exciting to announce. Oversharing has a new premium subscription version of the podcast that is available today. It's called Calm the Fuck Down, and it's our new guided meditation series. So you can be as happy and content with your life as Dr. Naomi is. I'm so excited about this. Speaking of like trying to help on a bigger picture level, it's like being able to give these, you know, short meditations for people to just kind of have access to, uh, you know, some of what I do in my individual therapy and some ways to kind of reset your mind when it's kind of going off the rails. Yeah. I'm so excited about this. These are great meditations. Um, So here's what you're going to get. If you subscribe to the premium version of oversharing, you will get ad-free listening, monthly guided meditations, Our first four guided meditations are already available right now. They're in your feed and we'll have two new guided meditations every month. And these meditations are designed to help you through some of life's most difficult moments. So like we wanted to make these sort of moment specific. So they're not just general guided meditations. They're ones to take you through very specific things that are happening to you. Cause I didn't really feel like there's much out there for that. And I Mm -hmm. remember you know, in the past going through getting broken up with or gearing myself up for like a first date and always feeling very anxious and kind of wishing there was something that was tailored specifically to those moments to help me get through them. Or even like, we're going to do so many more in the future, like your wedding day, or you're going to give birth to a baby or so many different moments that we all go through that it would just be great to have some, someone specifically speaking to you in that moment and what you're going through to get you to relax. Totally. And I have, you know, my individual patients will reach out to me via text when there's, you know, they have something big coming up or they're struggling and I'll kind of help them walk through it. So this is a way to get a little bit of that just whenever you need it at your fingertips. Love it. And the first four topics are going to a family gathering where you might have some tensions with family members, getting broken up with, 
first dates and gearing yourself up for difficult conversations with anyone in your life. So it's super easy to subscribe. You go to subscribe.edges.com to sign up now. Or if you're listening in the Apple podcast app, you can just hit the subscribe button and double tap the side of your phone. If you're not ready to commit, that's okay. We have a free seven-day trial, so you can cancel if you decide it's not for you. And if you sign up for the annual subscription before the end of July, you'll be able to get the entire year for just $35.99 instead of the $4.99 monthly price. Dr. Naomi and I recorded these together, and I have to say they are extremely calming. They really speak to the moment that you're in, and they just allow you to like relax, take a deep breath, and really get perspective on really important moments in your life or moments that can be really stressful. So I love doing these. They're so much fun. I know you guys are going to love them too. They're so relaxing and they'll really get you ready for whatever situation you're going into. Summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got the most beautiful silk skirt from Quince. I am so excited to wear it. It fits amazing. It is so well-priced for the high quality it is. It looks so expensive, but it's actually quite affordable. Quince has amazing items like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, so you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com oversharing for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash oversharing to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash oversharing. If you're like me and your CD organizer was filled with, now that's what I call, discs that your dad literally burned for you, you're a millennial. And if you're a millennial, it's time to add Clarins Multi-Active Cream to your daily routine. I have been using the Multi-Active Cream for a few weeks now, and I can already tell the difference. This cream does it all. It makes my fine lines and my pores look smaller, and my skin actually feels hydrated, which is really important for these like in-between seasons. I actually love all of their products. I'm a huge Clarins fan. I've been using them for years. You've been adulting a while, so the daily stress of trying to keep your life together can cause stress aging. Yeah, it's a thing. The good news, Europe's number one skincare line has a solution you can trust. Rooted in nature and innovated with science, Clarins has a long legacy of creating industry-first, plant-forward products. Using a skin charger complex made of 2% niacinamide and C. holly bio-extract, Clarins Multi-Active Cream has been clinically proven to target the first visible signs of aging by smoothing lines and wrinkles, refining pores, evening tone and texture, and strengthening the skin's moisture barrier. While Multi-Active Cream can bring back the golden age of boy bands, it can de-stress your skin. Go to Clarins.com slash oversharing and get multi-active day and night cream for 10% off a free welcome gift plus free shipping on your first order. That's C-L-A-R-I-N-S dot com slash oversharing with promo code oversharing. Clarence.com slash oversharing with promo code oversharing. Okay, so let's do our first oversharing email. I will read it. All right. Dear Jordana and Dr. Naomi, love the pod and you're always thoughtful and grounded advice. I'm 23 years old and moving in with my boyfriend when our leases end in about a month. 
We've been dating since early in college. We've been working and living in the real world for a year, so we feel ready and excited to take the next step. I am Indian American with stereotypical strict Indian parents. Surprisingly, my parents made little fuss when they found out about my white boyfriend and have met and like him. But since they had an arranged marriage, they have no idea what modern American dating entails. They're Delulu. Is that a, um, like... I don't know. I love it, though. Like, delusional. <laughs> Let me look. <laughs> yeah, look it up before we laugh. Oh, no, you're right. That is really funny. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to use that all the time, though. I never heard that. Okay. I really like it, too. That's very funny. Okay. Just, I just, I, I feel much older than you are because I had no idea. Okay. For example... I'm sure they think we haven't had sex yet. While in fact, we started off as friends with benefits for months before dating. So that ship has sailed a long time ago. Anyway, I knew my parents would not approve of us moving in together. I told my mom a few months ago when we first decided, making it clear I wasn't asking for permission, but just informing them of my decision. At the time, she wasn't thrilled, but she seemed relatively resigned. I hadn't heard anything since then and naively assumed they'd made their peace with it. Well, this past week, I flew back home for the 4th of July the first time I've seen them in person since dropping the news. They sat me down and told me that it was unacceptable to them. They tried everything in their disposal to convince me to not go through with it until marriage. They'd even pay me the rent difference to live alone. I pointed out that this is just how dating works today and that even some of my other brown couple of friends live together. I added that living with someone was a non-negotiable for me before any sort of engagement, so the only other option would be just to live forever alone and never get married. They said I was putting them in a bad position when relatives in India find out and that I was being disrespectful to them slash our culture. I know they're out of touch and I'm not doing anything wrong, but I guess I'm just looking for reassurance. I now feel like a shitty daughter and like I'm opening the family up to gossip. Is it possible for me to navigate their concerns and still be sensitive of our culture while also standing my ground? Have either of you had to negotiate cultural slash moral issues with your parents like this? Thanks. A betch living in sin. Yeah, I, I think there's more people that go through this type of thing than probably are talking about it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I get it. And you're not doing anything wrong. You're being open about it, which is great. She could just kind of, you know, have not not tell. Yeah. Them. And yeah. just kind of snuck around or, you know, I know a lot of people do take that route where they try just not to let their parents in on it. Like me and the Christmas tree. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, you can relate to this on a small scale with that type of thing. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I think it's the kind of thing where it's like, even though you kind of know you're not doing anything wrong, it's still, you still feel, I see what she's saying, like that guilt, like even with, um, even with like being kosher, which we were raised kind of kosher. And I would always like up until I guess I still kind of do this where if I'm out to dinner with my dad, I'll like not order something in front of him. Right. I'll order. I won't order anything on kosher in front of him because I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. Right. 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 <laughs> right. You don't want to comment. You don't want it. There's just it'll be like an awkward, thick tension that would like enter the room. Yeah. At that point. And it, it feels a little disrespectful, even though it shouldn't. Right. Yes. Like, I guess like in a world where things are healthy, people should feel free to just do whatever works for them if it makes them happy. Right. But I guess it feels like you're. I don't know. I could see, I see what she's saying in terms of like, you feel a little guilty, even though logically, you know, you're not doing anything wrong. Right. Right. And I think it's a good opportunity. She's only 23 to start these conversations with her parents. 
Um, and I think she can create some kind of balance here too. Obviously she's set on this, she's doing it, but maybe she can kind of have the conversation in a way that's understanding of their feelings. I totally get it. I'd probably feel the same way too. If I was, you know, grew up this way and and my child was doing something that felt so foreign to me, I, I, you know, just validating their feelings, standing her ground that she's going to do it, but having an open dialogue about it, because it does seem like for the parents, it's not even so much them. It's more like the perception up to the rest of the family. Right. So what will others think? Yes. Yeah. So I do think that that's part of it that maybe they would be open to communicating about and figuring out together, like how much they want to tell the rest of their family, if they feel like they're going to be judged or not. And I also feel like if she can reassure her parents that she's not going to throw away their entire culture because she's taking this one step that is very important to her, you know, it's not like she's going, you know, if, if she can say, you know, we're going to have these types of food in our house, we're going to have these types of decor, or like, these are the ways that we're going to continue to honor our culture. Maybe that might make them feel a little bit better that this, they might be feeling like, oh, she's, you know, she's American. And now she's just going to absorb all these American cultures. She's dating a white guy and she's going to throw everything away. So maybe just, there is a temptation almost, we spoke, I think last episode or the one before about, you know, when you're making a change or you're breaking away from like your own upbringing, there's a tendency to like go extreme to one extreme, you know, the woman with the Catholic church or, you know, whatever it was. So I think if she can create some balance and say, this is really important to me to get to know somebody in all aspects of who they are before I commit to marriage. But that doesn't mean that I'm throwing away our entire Indian culture and we'd love to have you over for this holiday, or maybe you can come over and help me pick some decor that's, you know, aligned with Indian culture or yeah, exactly. So I think this is probably one of, of many conversations that she's going to have with her parents on this. And I think if she can try to stay mindful of where they are, hopefully the conversations will go a little bit better, but, um, yeah, this is not an easy situation. I think like you're saying, there's sort of like a twofold reasoning behind in her parents' thought process on this. And one of them I think is sympathetic and the other one feels less so. Right. Like the idea of, oh, you're going to like go marry a white guy, not maintain any aspects of our culture. And like you kind of feel like like more estranged from us because of that. Mm -hmm. You're like rejecting the culture. Therefore, you're rejecting us. I can see that. And what you're saying makes a lot of sense. But then the part about like, if, if people in India find, found out that you were doing this, that kind of seems like that's your problem. Like yeah. for your, for you to deal with about like the fact that you value what all these people think rather than like me being my authentic self. It kind of feels like, I feel like it can feel a little bit insulting when a parent is like, I care more about like what other people think about you than about you doing something that makes you happy. Right. Like you'd prefer me to be, doing something that makes me less happy because other people would think it's more appropriate. Right. And it puts her in this tough spot because it's kind of like she's making a moral judgment on her parents there where she's kind of saying like, why do you care so much? Or I guess what she would probably love to say is you have to figure out like how to not feel shame in this because of what other people are going to think. Um, and that's kind of your journey to take and how you can communicate with them honestly and say, like, I want my daughter to be happy and that's my priority. Um, right. 
but she can't really force them to do that's a lot of work right that's probably like yeah, a whole upheaval huge thing yeah, for them right. that she um i don't know that they would take very well um but maybe she could be curious with them like what are you mom what are you afraid of like what's your fear right. here you know maybe she could just ask them to speak a little bit more and maybe as they're talking they'll kind of be a little introspective about well what am i really afraid of do you ever get that with your kids of like you kind of like they want to do something and you're kind of like, you know, I, I worry about the what the world thinks of you doing this thing. Yeah, well, I guess I mean, we spoke about, you know, uh, Maddie wearing like a sports bra and shorts to the gym. Right. right. And I'm kind of like, uh, I don't know, you're nine. I don't I just don't like the feeling of that. I don't know. I don't. Mm-hmm. What is that? I guess it's, you know, if I, maybe if I was introspective, I'd if she said, well, what mo- mom, what's your fear about me <laughs> wearing a sports bra and shorts to the gym? And I guess my fear would be that you would be like sexualized by right. adult people or anybody at a young or age. Or you might be judged for letting her wear that. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah, that's true too. If I'm really digging right. deep, it is probably mm-hmm. true what my fear is. But like even us just having this conversation now, I don't know that I was really thinking what's my, like digging into what's my fear about that. And it's an interesting conversation for her to have just for her mom to become more insightful about what she's afraid of. So that might be a good way to go with it is just being curious with her parents instead of like telling them how to feel or trying to fix them or just being dismissive and saying, I'm doing this, get over it. Yeah. I think there's a middle ground, but I do think like you can do that and do that. And depending on how like rigid the parents are, Mm -hmm. eventually you might just have to be like, listen, you don't have to like it. It's okay. If you don't like it, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I understand, I respect that you don't like it, but what you can just respect is that I'm going to do it anyway. Right. And that you don't like it and that's okay. Right. Like, well, there, there's some things that aren't the ideal situation. Totally. And I get it from the parents' perspective. It's hard. I'm sure that they had a feeling if they moved here from India that and they raised their daughter here that this was a potential for something that was going to happen, right? That she was going to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of become an American and do things that are culturally more American, like moving in together before you're married. So I'm sure that they're not, this isn't like, totally out of the realm of possibility of what they thought. But I do think because she's young and she's growing up here, these are conversations that need to be had. So this is probably just one of many that's going to happen in terms of like, you know, down the road, if she does get married or children and how they're raised and all of that. So look at it as an opportunity to start these conversations in a healthy way. Be open, be curious. It, It would feel great if her mom was curious you know, and asked her questions like, why is it so important to you for you to live with somebody first? So she could have a space to right. say how she feels. That's that always feels good when it's like you're kind of in conflict with somebody about something and they are curious and ask you and give you some space to talk about why you feel the way that you feel. That feels really nice, even if they end up yeah. not agreeing with you. No, it does. And it's usually not the way those conversations go. It usually winds up being people just being more reinforced in their own beliefs. But I do think if you could like put your guard down in that sense and be like if even her for being like, okay, like this is what I want to do. I see nothing wrong with it. My parents are Delulu. Um, <laughs> it's easy to go in and just be like, these people are crazy. Like I'm not moving. But I, I agree. Like if you try to understand the person's perspective, it doesn't mean you have to change what you're doing, but maybe it'll make you more sympathetic. Right. And even just modeling this idea of being curious about someone else's perspective 
I think that's like the best thing that anybody can do in any conflict situation. Sometimes it works. Like if you were like to your dad, if you ordered shrimp cocktail and you know, you were kind of like to him, like, what, what are you feeling right now? Like what's making you so uncomfortable? And he was able to say like, you know, I just always envision this for you, or I feel distant from you, or I feel, you know, that would be a really interesting conversation to have over a shrimp cocktail. Potentially would. (laughs) And he's paying. (laughs) Not only am I ordering it, but you're paying. Um, (laughs) No, I agree. I think it it could be if both people are willing to go there. It only works really if, if it's like, if everyone is willing to sort of totally take their beliefs and open their mind to to a different perspective. It's worth a shot. Give it a shot. Let us know. Spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up. Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, tap into your power, and get ready for summer. I take their yoga classes at least twice a week. I also love their core classes. I love that I can take it anywhere I go. If I'm traveling, I can always do a class. You can filter the classes by ones that don't need any equipment. I'm looking to get healthy. I'm looking to like feel good. And Peloton just makes it so easy. Peloton accommodates your schedule with a variety of class lengths to choose from. Even if you only have five minutes, Peloton has classes for you giving you the flexibility you need to move your body. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and mood. If you can't run, take a walking class. If you want to level up, go to their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Or try yoga if you just need to ground yourself. Move at your own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take the guesswork out of working out so you can jump right in, keeping your fitness journey fresh every day. Peloton has everything you need to get where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I've been to therapy for many years, and I have to say, whenever I'm going through something really tough, therapy is the way out for me. It helps me like break down the issue, get to the heart of it, and figure out ways to cope with whatever is stressing me out. Nothing has transformed my life quite as much as my therapy experience. I can't recommend therapy enough, and BetterHelp is a great way into it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Overshare today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Overshare. Let's do a batch of this. Why don't you read this one? Okay. Dear Jordana and Dr. Naomi, thank you so much for the show. It's become my favorite podcast. Awesome. Here's my problem. I've been with my boyfriend for two years. We moved in together after about seven months and we have a dog together. I'm 29 and he's 30. I come from a family that's very close and we have a lot of family parties, get togethers, et cetera. So my boyfriend has been around my family a lot, including extended family. Some of my family members have my boyfriend on Instagram. This is normally fine with me and I've never had any issues with it in the past, except for recently. One of my cousins routinely posts sexy pictures on her Instagram story, pictures of herself in a thong, bikinis, 
pictures of her butt, etc. She's 21 years old. And while I understand that she's just young and expressing herself, I can't help but not want my boyfriend to be seeing that when he's scrolling through his Instagram stories. This started to bother me so much that one day while we were hanging out in our bedroom, he was playing video games and I was Amazon shopping. I begrudgingly said, I think I want to mute on your Instagram. I was embarrassed to bring it up because I hated feeling vulnerable and insecure about it since my boyfriend has never given me any reason not to trust him or doubt him. He doesn't follow that many people on Instagram, isn't someone who likes other girls' photos, and really doesn't even post that often. He said, okay, that's fine. Mute her. So I said, let me see your phone. He gave me his phone, and I muted her. Let me see your phone is always <laughs> a, uh, not a, usually doesn't lead to anything good. Yes. But anyway, yeah. If you aren't familiar with the mute feature on Instagram, it gives you the option to mute both posts and stories. From what I remembered, I muted both. Fast forward to a couple of days ago, my mom had a party at a winery to celebrate her last day of chemo, and all of my family was there. I just kept looking at how beautiful my cousin was and suddenly began to get insecure thinking, what if blank unmuted her stories? I held it in and didn't say anything, but the next day we were on our way to my boyfriend's birthday dinner and I got a random urge to ask him about it. I said, did you unmute blank on Instagram? And he was like, what? I didn't unmute her. I don't even know how to do that. I've never muted or unmuted someone. So I said, okay, well, have you been able to see her stories pop up? To which he said, yes. So I said, let me see your phone. So he gave it to me and I checked and sure enough, her stories were unmuted. I instantly became upset thinking that he unmuted her. I asked him several times how she got unmuted and he kept saying, I don't know, I didn't do it. So maybe you just messed up when you went to go do it. Her posts were still muted, but the stories were not. We ended up getting into a huge fight over it with him being upset about being accused and me being upset because I feel like I for sure did mute her. So I don't understand how she became unmuted. At the end of the day, I realized this is my insecurity, but at the same time, I don't think it's appropriate for my boyfriend to see photos of my little cousin like that. And since I can't control her, I might as well shut it off on his end. Here's why I'm upset. One. If he's telling the truth and he noticed that he was still able to view her stories after I said I was going to mute her, why didn't he just mute her himself? Should we address these one by one? Yeah, I guess we can address these one by one. Okay. If he's telling the truth and he noticed that she was still able to view her stories. She should have like come and reported back or just muted them. She should have come and, and just said, oh, right. wow, why didn't he, I'm not why supposed didn't he to be seeing her? this. Okay. I should mute this. I right. think that that's a lot to ask for someone who's not super social right. media savvy and like involved in it. And not, he's not thinking about this as deeply as you yes. are. He's just kind of like, oh, he probably doesn't even know if he doesn't mute or unmute anyone. He probably doesn't even know what muting is supposed to do. Right. Like maybe he thought, okay, the stories you could see, but I'm not seeing like the posts. I think he probably was not thinking about this at all. I'm sure he's probably seeing a lot of like half naked women and probably not thinking much of it. That's like part yeah. of what people's Instagram yes. is. Welcome to Instagram. Yes. So I think she's definitely thinking way more into this. So no, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a fair expectation for him to be like blinders. Oh no, earmuffs. I shouldn't be mm -hmm. seeing this. Like, let me go and fix this situation. Well, can we almost address like the bigger issue here, which is I think that it's like the fact that she's trying to control what he's seeing online yes. is like sort of the bigger issue here than I think whether he saw it or he didn't see it. Like they're focusing to me on 
sort of the wrong thing. And I get it feels like a little weird and like kind of creepy that like mm-hmm. your boyfriend is following your cousin who's posting that. And again, it's not like he's I would find it like less annoying than him following a random person. Like he's following her because she's your cousin, not because he thinks that he likes the way pictures her are great. butt looks. Yeah. yeah. And he's not like it. You told him it makes you uncomfortable. He's not like insisting that he yes. must look at it, which I think is also a good sign. Right. But also like there's no way to stop him from seeing things yes. online. If he were sick, if he were messaging her something weird, I could see that being an issue. Even if he were like liking all of them, I could see that being like a little annoying, mm-hmm. even if sort of a gray area. But it seems like he's not really like doing anything wrong. And I don't know. I just feel like he's going to see it. Like he's going to, he's not going to see that. He's yes. going to see something else. Totally. He can't control everything he sees. And like the bigger, I think better thing psychologically would just be to accept that your boyfriend's going to see pictures of beautiful women from time to time. And like, even if he thought they were attractive, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Yes, I agree. I definitely think that I, I get why she's upset because it's kind of like if they're together at a party, he like knows what her ass looks like. And that's annoying. You know, <laughs> like I could see that just being annoying. So I will validate why she's upset about this. I, I you know, like I get it. But I also think this is one of those things where there's nothing she could do about it. And what she's done up until this point is more than enough. Um, and like you said, the fact that he kind of was like, okay, fine, whatever, do it is fine. And he agreed to it, which I think is great because yeah, it is a little weird and there's no reason why, you know, it just he needs to insist right. on seeing it. Exactly. <laughs> so I get why you're annoyed. I probably would feel similarly, um, if this was someone that we were interacting with and like you saw basically their whole body naked, um, especially and it sounds like she's really beautiful and she maybe feels like a little insecure about that or whatever it is. So, um, but I think you got to change the channel and just feel good that he didn't fight you on it. And, but I don't think that he needed to come and, you know, make sure that all of the images were completely cleansed from his Instagram. So that's the, that's the answer to question number one. Let's see if what question number two says. If he did unmute her, this is super hurtful, not only because it means that he wanted to continue viewing her stories, but also because of how much he has lied about, about it to me at this point. He's adamant that he did not do it, so this makes me really anxious going over it again and again in my mind. I guess her intrusive thoughts here are that he went back, unmuted her, um, which yes. makes him like really want to see it. Cause he went out of his way right. to unmute her and that's, what's playing in her head. Like, Oh, he's like obsessed with mm-hmm. her, I guess is sort of like the, the worst fear. Mm-hmm. And again, she seems to have like, I don't know about jealous, but she seems like a little, you know, hyper-focused on yes. how beautiful her cousin yes. is. Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that that's exactly, there's like a, there's like a patterned rumination about her boyfriend thinking about this woman. And look, maybe the conversation with the boyfriend needs to be about more than the cousin and the Instagram. It needs to be just like a general feeling of like, I feel insecure about this thing. And maybe he can say something that makes her feel really beautiful. Or maybe he'll say something that can like reassure her that he has no thoughts about this cousin or that she's like, you know, I mean, he's 30, 
she's 21. It's like a different, a whole different stage of life. And like, I don't think that this is someone that he's like probably obsessing over and she has no real reason to believe that he is. So yes, there's going to be beautiful women that he's going to see half naked for the rest of his life. That's just the culture that we live in. Well, yeah, that's what I'm also saying. Like, it's kind of like, even if in the word, her worst fear that he sees the pictures and he feels a certain kind of way, right? Like, you know, he finds her attractive, right? Which is probably true. Right. Cause it sounds like she's objectively attractive. Right. Like, just like when he watches a movie, he sees an actress that's sort of like objectively, like I would almost like play that out. Right. Like, okay. He sees the pictures of my cousin. He thinks she's hot. And then what? Right. And then like he moves on about his day. Right. And even if or she's even in if person he, and he, you know, she, it, maybe the fear is that when she's in person, he's going to be like thinking sexual thoughts about her because he's seen her in this sexual light. So, you know, I, I think again, he's already seen her though. Right. He's already seen the pictures. Right. The ship is sailed. Totally. <laughs> totally. You can't unsee the pictures. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think playing it out being like, okay, so he like finds her attractive or, you know, he thinks that she's beautiful or even has like a sexual thought about her. Right. Sure. Um, yeah. That's probably like her worst case scenario. But the truth is like that may happen with her or with anyone, anyone else, a coworker, a, you know, anyone that he sees anywhere that's attractive. He may have that thought if he's treating you well, if he's making you feel beautiful, if he's making you feel like he's attracted to you, I would, you know, kind of shift the focus to what you are getting from him. Um, And I think despite what maybe societally like feels like sort of is implied, I think that people in relationships with people value more than just them having the best ass around or like looking the hottest they can possibly be. Like I'm sure there's a lot of things that like about you, even if they're not exactly one-to-one on there that he finds more appealing about you because he's with you. Just remember, he's like dating you. Yeah, he's dating you. And he, I mean, even the fact that he was like, sure, go ahead, take my phone, do whatever is going to make you feel better, I think was really kind of him because he probably realized that there was something that was bugging you and it was no skin off his back to make you feel better about it. So that shows that he really cares for you. I would, I wouldn't continue down the path of like the muting, unmuting. I honestly might, I don't know. I'm not there, but my hunch is he did not unmute her to just so he could look at her and then lie to you about it. That's my guess. I agree. Um, to give him like the smallest benefit of the doubt. I, I don't think that that's probably what happened. Um, you know, so I would just have a conversation with him about it. Cause I think there is something that's brewing there and maybe you guys can get deep and he can be like, yes, yeah, sometimes I see other women and I find them attractive, but these are the reasons why I'm with you. These are the things that I love about you. These are the things that make me feel like we have a deep connection outside of, you know, you look great in a bikini, um, right. which you also do or whatever he wants to say. Yeah. I would say it's an unrealistic expectation that the person you're dating or eventually marry or with that never finds anyone else attractive. Yeah. Or sees a a picture of someone on the internet that they makes them feel a certain way sexually. Right. And when you start going down this rabbit hole, maybe one day you have a friend or you have a coworker and they're, you know, you're never going to be able to cleanse him, his eyes of all other flesh. Um, but yours. 
So I, I totally agree. And I love the idea of play it out. What's the worst case scenario and realizing that the worst case scenario is probably not that bad. If he looks at your cousin and he's like, Oh, she's hot. Okay. He thinks your cousin's hot. I'm sure that you think other people are attractive as well. doesn't mean you want to break up with him and go be with them. Right. I guess also it's just kind of like this method of trying to control it is very tiring and I don't think will work yes, for you long term. It's going to be exhausting. I agree. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's do some intentions. All right, you want to read it? Okay. Dear Jordana and Dr. Naomi, I'm a huge fan and look forward to the pod every week. I could use your help setting an intention for a situation that has been making me sad and anxious. I'm in my mid-20s and I've always been really into exercising. In the past, I've had a disordered relationship with food and exercise, but in the past three years, I've worked hard to achieve a healthy, restriction-free relationship with health and fitness. However, I do still really like working out, particularly weightlifting. I've always been insecure about my legs, but weightlifting and getting stronger has helped me move past this insecurity, mostly. A month ago, I injured my back. It has prevented me from exercising as I would normally. I can't lift anything heavy without severe pain. This is mostly impacting my usual leg workouts, so I have now gone several weeks without doing the twice-a-week squats, deadlifts, etc. that I would normally do. I've been really upset about this situation, like maybe unreasonably so. I'm starting to feel negative thoughts about the way my legs look creep into my mind. I'm terrified that this past month of rest has made me lose all of my strength I've worked so hard for. To make it worse, my injury is not improved, and it's looking like I will need several more months of rest. I can't help but feel sorry for myself. It's summer, the time where everyone wants to be feeling and looking good. And here I am unable to exercise the way I want to. And I'm just feeling generally shitty about it. Most of all, I'm concerned that I'm going to fall back into unhealthy patterns like working out twice a day and planning everything I eat. I would love any intentions you have for me as I do my best to let my body heal. Sincerely, can't rest, Betch. Yeah, it sounds like she is she has found a way to effectively manage her body image stuff and her potential like overexercising or eating, um, disordered eating. And that method is not working anymore. So now she's like really scared to get back into just not treating her body well or becoming obsessive about weight and food and exercise and all that stuff, which I really totally get. And I think for someone that really values exercise and how it, I'm sure there's an aspect, she didn't say this, but like, just makes you feel good. It makes you feel like, you know, there's stuff that you can kind of control about your health and your appearance and endorphins mm-hmm. and all the great stuff about exercise. So I, I feel like this is a, a loss for her at this point. And I can really validate that it's just making her feel like, I don't know how to continue to care for myself because this method that really was working well for a long time is not an option anymore. Right. And then I think that she's now also lost like the mental benefits of being able to work out, which is probably like a part of it too, which made her feel good, which then again is like spiraling into itself. Right. And and I, I can relate to this because I've, you know, I feel like I 
also personally will find an exercise thing that I get really into and like it inspires something. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love whatever it is. Like in Pilates, I was like obsessed with Pilates for a while. And I was like, this is the workout for me. It's perfect. I loved it for all these reasons. And then something happens like the Pilates studio raises their prices or it's too expensive or, you know, in this case, an injury or something where you just can't do it anymore. And then it's like the, the challenge is how to be flexible because it does sound like she can still move her body. She can probably still exercise. I just don't think that she can like push weight the way that she was doing, which was like this very specific thing that she found weightlifting that was like worked with everything that she was struggling with. Yeah. So I do think that this is a great opportunity for her to find some flexibility and say like, okay, maybe I can't do this particular thing, but maybe she can swim or maybe she can, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever, do some gentle chair yoga or something that to her probably feels like that's not enough or that's not going to fix this leg thing or that's not going to, you know, I've worked so hard to gain this strength in this particular area. And I feel like it's all going to be lost. So I, I get why she's resistant to this change, but I think this is again, in some ways this perfect, like the universe is sending her this challenge at this time to keep pushing her growth. Because if it's just all easy and the train just keeps moving down the track, you're not really finding your edge of discomfort in order to find that growth. You know, like we always talk about the only way you can grow really grow is when you're uncomfortable. So I think this right. is being sent like, to her for a reason or like destabilized. a little. Yes, bit. exactly. And yeah, no, I think it's, it's very interesting because it does kind of take her because exercise can feel like that way, way. And a lot of the messaging around exercise, it's like, you can't drop the ball. Mm-hmm. Like you must continue exercising or you'll lose all your muscle tone or you're like, it feels like you have to be in forever for life constantly, like four or five days a week. Right. Or why bother? Right. Which is not like really the case. I felt that too, especially like I'm now living in an apartment on Long Island and I used to walk every day. I used to just like take a walk and like decompress and listen to a podcast. And I haven't done that because I live like on the side of like a main road here. So I'm not doing that. But I kind of feel the same way where I'm like, can I, will I be able to get back into that when I move somewhere with like that's more walkable? Like, have I, sort of like what's the point like you it kind of feels like an all or nothing experience a lot of the time right and if you've if you're doing something that's like you know like her like weightlifting or something where you're really like or running for example like where you've pushed yourself past that point where you're like I've achieved this success in this thing and now I have to start from scratch again um, whether it's like now I'm not going to be able to lift as much. And yes, that's probably what's going to happen. If, and when you get back to this, you're probably going to have to start from scratch. But I think the bigger picture for her is what I hope she can kind of open her mind to and focus on that. It's not about the goal really isn't being able to deadlift a certain amount of weight or being able to squat That's like a, that's like a micro goal that she has mm-hmm. the big picture, I think for her is being able to have a healthy relationship with her body, being able to take care of her body, being able to have a healthy relationship with exercise and food. That's the bigger picture goal. And so I think this challenge is being sent to her for a reason that she's kind of needing to say, okay, I'm being sent a challenge. I figured, I thought I figured this out. And now 
the universe is coming and smacking everything out of whack to force me to realize that like, I'm never going to have it all figured out the bigger picture. Yeah. Right. And I mean, it's tough, it's tough because like in an ideal world, she would look at this period of time and be like, what a great, what a great opportunity to like rest. Yes. Right. Like a forced rest. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the forced rest can, you want to like fight it because you're so afraid of what happens if you take your eye off the ball. But like, if you could actually lean into the rest, then when you're done resting, you could actually be re-energized instead of being coming at it from this like fear mentality. Totally. And realizing that like this rest period can open up a brand new door to something that she never knew. Like maybe she could, you know, have a new, like, I think sometimes people get very rigid, especially when it comes to like exercise and diet and things like this, where you feel like you have to be very controlled. People get very rigid. Like this is working. Don't stop. Don't get off the train. Like I need to keep going. This is working. And it, it does create this rigidity where if something happens, you're totally thrown off balance. This is going to be a strengthening exercise for her resilience, not for her body, but for her ability to be flexible and change. And maybe she learns that she loves swimming or maybe she learns that she, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever other exercise that her doctors are telling her that she can do or just meditation or something that is going to strengthen another aspect of yourself that you're being kind of forced into. So um, the intention that I wrote for her that maybe she can remind herself of is, this setback is a necessary part of my journey to truly honor my body because I think that's what she's really looking for. And truly honoring your body does ideally include exercise and proper nutrition and proper rest and all of those things. But I think what she needed the push in is to be able to honor her body in times of rest and in times of, you know, lifting the most weight she's ever lifted on a day or whatever her goals right. are. I also wrote something that, you know, might help her, which is I will embrace this chance to strengthen my resilience because strengthening your resilience is the most important thing that you can do for yourself because you're never going to be able to control the external world of what happens around you. So anytime you can get knocked on your ass and then stop and breathe and say, okay, I have to be flexible here. What are my options and how can I you know, I get it. She might have to have a cry. You know, she might have to feel like I gained all this strength. I was able to do all this. I was able to lift all this. I felt so proud of myself and I'm not going to be able to do that for a while. Um, or if, if the case is she might not be able to do it ever, let's say worst case scenario. And I've worked with athletes that their whole life, they're like, this is their whole identity is that they are, you know, a soccer player, whatever it is. And then they get to be you know, at 23, they tear their ACL and like, that's it. They can't do that anymore. And there's a real grief process in that. Like I've worked with people where they really have to work through, like, what is my identity if it's not a soccer player, you know? Um, right. I don't know that that's exactly where she is, but I do think that she found a way to, you know, kind of honor her body and love herself and love you know, the idea of feeling strong and healthy. So you can still have that concept of feeling strong and healthy right now. Maybe that strength is not going to be in your muscles. Maybe it's going to be in your resilience in your flexibility in your, you know, mind, um, or maybe literally in your body, maybe you work on your flexibility at this point instead of your strength. So 
just being able to kind of shift and move. And I know this feels really hard for her, but I think this is a blessing in disguise and it's going to serve you the rest of your life. If you can stop and embrace this chance to strengthen your resilience, what are your options? What can you still do? Um, and lean into that and see if you can find meaning in it. So I do like this question. Ride the wave, as you said. Yeah. Of uncertainty. Yes. Love it. You're going to start writing the intentions. Look at me. I don't know if I'm there yet. Okay. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Let's do some triggers. Ready? All right. Hi, Jordana and Dr. Naomi. I have a recent situation with a friend that I'd like to get your thoughts on. My best friend and I have always agreed that our 30th birthdays would be like our bachelorette party if we're still single then. So for her 30th birthday in December, she decided to have a bachelorette type trip abroad. The trip ended up being very expensive and pretty out of my comfort zone since I didn't know her other friends who went. We lived in separate cities since college and the other girls who went were all friends from her new city who I hadn't met before. Of course, I was still happy to go since I knew how important this birthday was for her. Since then, we've talked about going to Turkey for my 30th since we both always really wanted to go there. Since it's about six weeks away now, I asked her which flights she was planning to book and she replied saying, quote, unfortunately, I don't think I can go and gave me a clearly BS excuse about not wanting to leave her cats because she'll have recently moved. I'm not sure how to feel about this because on the one hand, I know it's not fair to expect someone to go on a trip just for my birthday. On the other hand, I chose this destination because we've been talking for years about going there together and I'm, I'm upset that I prioritized doing what she wanted to do for her birthday and that she clearly didn't do the same for me. It would be different if she had said something along the lines of, I'm sorry, I really wanted to go, but unfortunately can't because of X, instead of making up a lame excuse to get out of going. Do I have a right to be triggered by this or am I being selfish and expecting her to travel with me for my 30th? Sincerely, a lonely, soon-to-be 30-year-old. I think this is a little triggering. I could see that. Yeah. Where she's like, we had this pact. I was like, all in it for you. And then doesn't seem like you care that much when it comes to my turn. Totally. I I think this is triggering too. As I, yeah. If she hadn't gone away for her 30th, then I would say, okay, whatever, this isn't going to work out and no big deal. And you guys should just like, you know, do something local or whatever. Like the momentum, they had lost the momentum on the 30th bachelorette thing, but she already like, she did it for her. She went and I could see, it seems like very unfair and like dismissed. I could, again, it wasn't like she was like, if she had said like wound up spending a lot more on the one that we did for mine Mm -hmm. and like, I just don't know if I can afford to do another one at this point. Totally. But let's go in a couple. Let's go in a couple of years. Yes. when I've financially recovered. Yes, or I would be like, that makes sense. Yes, okay. I, that's what I think she's saying here. She just wants the truth. I mean, the excuse about yeah. the cats seems. I agree. Like a little, I mean, lame. Yeah, I get it. I, I don't have cats, but I, you know, whatever. Even if she said, I can't go 
on your actual birthday because of my cats. Maybe we could go a month later once they've adjusted to the new place or something. Just to say we're right. canceling the whole thing based on the cats and the timing. And to say it so casually, I think, is annoying, too. Mm-hmm. Like, unfortunately, I don't think I can go. So, right. I think people want to feel like even if – and that goes for anything that someone's declining to do. You want to feel like the like the person actually – want. it's more about what, feeling like the person wanted to do it or wanted to be there or wanted to celebrate you more than the actual – even like attendance. Right. I think. And just acknowledgement of the fact that they kind of had a deal and she broke it, I think would feel nice. Right. Um, I think she can say that too. I think she can like, I would give her a call. I wouldn't mm-hmm. text it. And I'd be like, it kind of hurt my feelings that I feel like we had discussed doing this thing. And we were, I was really excited to do it for yours and we did it. And then when it came time for me, it just didn't seem like you cared that much. And it was kind of a little hurtful. Right. And even calling it out and just being like, look, if it's about the cats, let's pick a different time. You know, it doesn't have yeah. to be on my actual birthday. Like we can do it maybe a month later or whatever works for you. Or even if it's about the location, like maybe it is too expensive. Like I just want to know like what's really going on because I still would like to do something for my birthday. And I actually, you know, like I just want to say I love the idea of not having to have every big trip and everything revolve around getting married and getting engaged. Like I love the fact that they're doing this for their 30th instead of totally having it to be like, okay, well, we're just going to wait until you're getting married to celebrate and do a big trip together. So I love that they're doing this. I think they should, you know, find a way to make it happen. If, if it's not Turkey, if it's not that exact day. Um, so yeah, I think this is a great opportunity to express how you feel, let her know. And yes, triggering. And I think it wouldn't be insane if she did come out like back, like what you said, with a genuine excuse that was because it is expensive to do too big. They were talking about doing these mm-hmm. two trips to their boat. They're turning 30 at the same time. I can see where she'd be like, this is actually kind of a stretch financially to do two of these or it might right. be more fun to like spread these out. But she might feel weird saying yes. that so she's just backing out when I think if you're going to have a genuine friendship, you need to sort of address it head on. Totally. Yeah, I agree. But I I feel like this is triggering because she spent money, went away with a group of girls that wasn't like probably wouldn't be her top choice of people to go and spend money and go away with. So, yeah, I I give this like a, uh, I don't know, a six, seven. Yeah, I was thinking that six, seven. Yeah. Go tell her off. And let us know how it goes. <laughs> um, okay, let's do one more. All right. You ready? Okay, I'll read it. I love the podcast. It's both insightful and hilarious. Jumping right into my triggered scenario, my hairdresser posted after photos showcasing my new hair extensions on her Instagram. However, she edited my face with an AI filter. I look like a completely different person. In the picture, I have extremely large lips and a much smaller nose and different facial structure overall. The filter is quite obvious and warped some of my hair. Should I be triggered and offended that my hairdresser felt the need to do this? I usually treat my hair appointments like a spa day and I don't wear makeup or dress up. Hair extensions take hours and hours to install. I could understand smoothing skin or even adding makeup, but giving your client a whole new face seems excessive. Not to mention it was the first time this hairdresser ever did my hair and I was kind enough to participate in a lengthy photo shoot after my hair was done. Am I right to feel a little triggered? Would you go back to this hairdresser? Batch with a bad edit. Yeah, Um, this is annoying. This is weird, yeah. I, I think anyone filtering you is insulting. Yes. Like it's, if you want to filter yourself, you have your own insecurities fine. But I think if someone else is going through the trouble 
to filter you. Like they're saying that you, your face isn't good enough Didn't, like, to be like yes. as is on their story. I find that to be insulting. Yeah, I totally agree. And I just feel like I, I see why she's annoyed. It's like if you didn't like the way I looked, then you should have picked someone else to model for you. You know, like to yeah pick me, have me go through this lengthy photo shoot so that you could edit my face. Yeah, I could see why this is annoying. And I probably would not want to go back to this person. Yeah, I think it's just triggering to, sit for, to have anyone say like you, uh, your face as it is, it's just not um, acceptable enough for my feed. Yes. Uh, I Like she's like, she's a Vogue editor. Right, or something. totally. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, not only I feel like would it be okay not to go back to her, but I'm impressed that she's like resisting the urge to really say something to her like, you know, I think I would let it go because yeah. I'd be like, it's not someone that I, I probably, I assume this is not someone she, that a bunch of people she know follows. So right. it's like her audience right. wouldn't really like no. know the difference. And it's not a friend would, of I hers could, where she's like personally offended by it or like feels, you know, like she has to have a relationship with this person now that she felt so insulted by. Um, yeah, I mean, her hair looks great. I'll tell her that. Yeah. If that's, if that's her real hair, I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, but I would untag. I think you could do a lot. Of, I would I would go about the super passive aggressively. I would just like <laughs> untag and make sure no one saw it on my own feed. Right. And then maybe like unfollow her. Yeah. And not go back. But I don't think I would say anything because it's just kind of like, I don't know how many people are going to see it or even know it's you and it is annoying. But I think it's, I think these things say so much more about the person doing them mm-hmm. than about you. Like she's probably internalizing it as like this woman thinks I'm like not, I'm like, too ugly to be on her feed right. or something like that. And I find that people who are doing excessive editing of like, if they're doing that to you, I'm sure she probably see what she's doing to herself. to herself. Yes, for sure. And I think it's just like an, an insecurity with being able to present as themselves online with any flaws. Totally. And I do think the filters are bad in that way. Cause they sort of encourage people to like think that their, their own natural face is just, could be enhanced totally all the time. Yes, totally. I totally agree. And I think it's like a, a problem with society in general and this other person. And I think that you should just like stay in your path of this is me. And I think I'm beautiful and I'm sure that you're beautiful without these edits. You do not, you know, I wouldn't go, go down that rabbit hole of thinking about, you know, how this, you know, what this means about you. Like you said, it's much right. more about her. It's so funny. I was actually going to send you, maybe I'll still send it to you. Lila and Maddie, my two daughters who are, uh, we've talked about them, who are nine and 11, had this really interesting conversation in the car and I like s- sneakily recorded it. They were talking, oh, yeah, I'll send it to you. They were talking about like making- And how invasive, it, mom. Yeah, but I just, it was just for <laughs> me. I was actually recording so- it like for you to hear it because I thought you would find it so interesting. It was about makeup and like why- people wear makeup and right. Lila was basically like trying to convince her, like if everyone just stopped wearing makeup, then everyone would stop thinking that they needed to like look to this certain level. And then like, nobody would really need it because nobody would really be like comparing themselves to this kind of unrealistic expectation of what you look like when you wear makeup. And so right. everyone would just feel better about themselves. 
And Maddie was sort of Very like, wise. well, I wear makeup because it makes me feel good about myself. And it was so cute. It was just so cute. I'm going to send it to you. It was like really just such an adorable. She was like, it just makes me feel better about myself. And when I, like if I walk past the mirror and I look at myself, I feel like I look great. And she was like being, she was like the voice of a lot of women where she was like, sometimes I just don't like the way my face looks. And I was like, oh. You know, but, and, but Lila was like, but what you don't understand is the reason you don't like the way your face looks is because you're comparing it to everyone that you see all the time in magazines and everywhere that is wearing makeup. So you're comparing your regular normal face to like these edited makeup faces. So if everyone just stopped, then you wouldn't feel that way. Kind of like, let's break it down to the basics of why you even feel that way, which was, it was just a really very insightful conversation among such young girls. Totally. That's why I, I recorded it. it. It was so insightful. Yeah. The whole concept of like becoming aware of like how you feel and why you feel insecure about certain aspects of yourself. And I think they're both right. Yeah. You know, totally. Like, and it's kind of like that. I've discussed, I don't know if, which week it was, but we previously discussed someone, you know, who was, didn't want to do Botox because mm-hmm. they're like, it's anti-feminist. I don't like that it's marketed to women. And I don't like that. It's, you know, we can't be okay with our own faces. And then we were kind of like, but if it makes, you know, yes, it's sort of like, I think it's a very difficult position in life to put yourself as like, because if we all did everything on principle constantly, it would be kind of an exhausting life because we don't live in a society like the, like the perfect ideal utopia. We live in the society that we live in. So it's like right. we could rebel against it a yes. lot, which can be exhausting. And I think it's admirable. And I always see people who are like, doing that and I'm kind of like it's impressive but I'm like I don't know if I have the energy right. I might just like want to put on some mascara <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right it's exhausting it's kind of like if you can't beat them join them but then you're like part of the problem you know like right. Lila was saying I think everybody should just get a hairbrush and some water and that's it she's <laughs> like I don't think you should walk around with like Carl Marks <laughs> over here <laughs> I don't think you should walk around with like a total ta- like looking like a total tangled disaster but like let's even the playing field you get a hairbrush, mm-hmm. you could use water, and that's it. Other than that, let your natural beauty shine. It was very cute. Um, that is very cute. But yeah, I get that idea of like, mm-hmm. do you want to be kind of become part of the problem by buying into the filters and all the stuff to keep up and compete with everyone else that's doing it? Or do you want to be real? So I get it. And yeah. to this listener, like, I love- I think it's about those like micro decisions yes. a lot of the times. Yeah. Like I'll use the the Paris filter on Instagram story. I don't know if you know what that is. No, I don't. It's like you just swipe one and it just like Makes smooths it. a little right. bit. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, I look a little better. I'm not like doing AI stuff, but like maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe I'm still part of the problem. Right. But I'm kind of like, if I just, if I live, it makes, it's, it's so, literally it's just you swipe one way and it's just like, makes your skin look a little smoother totally so i'm kind of like i'm probably like maybe i shouldn't do this but yeah it's easy and i like this picture a lot better and i don't know it's a slippery slope so well you know you create a good balance i think because even for someone like you where you're like very open about your you know personal life and like struggles that you're having with getting pregnant or whatever and you're like being really Mm -hmm. real and you're letting people know like uh, on a bigger level like realness. So if you swipe and you cover, you know, a pimple or you make yourself look a little brighter, I think you're, you're having a nice balance of like not being a total phony, making, making it seem like your whole life is completely perfect, like owning up to stuff, which then I think just allows other people to feel more vulnerable. So I think you're, you're doing it in a way that's like 
important on a bigger scale than like, all right, I want to look a little fresh in this right. picture. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. But I, yeah, but I'm saying, no, I don't think, I think very few people are totally immune from any sort of enhancing desire. Yes. Cause you know, it's hard to live in the world with where everyone, like Lila's it's hard. Everyone else everyone is, doing, is it. doing it. So if, if you're so, not doing it, then it seems like you're almost like beneath, but you're really just, you know, not yeah. playing the game. Whenever I meet someone who can get away with like not doing that or, you know, does have the long gray hair like you talked about right. or um, doesn't wear any makeup anywhere, I'm I'm jealous of them, the, the confidence that they have. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I hope they hang on to that for as long as possible. Right. I think Amy Schumer once had that so, a funny commentary on that where she like, I guess she did like some sort of nude photo shoot and she was getting all these comments that it was like brave and she's like, that's not really like what you want to hear. <laughs> right, right, right. I wasn't going for brave. I was going for hot. Right. <laughs> that's funny. But anyway, I think we, you know, all about balance. Totally. And I, I mean, I appreciate her writing in on this because I think it's a bigger picture issue than just, you know, this one hairstylist and this one edit. It's like this bigger cultural thing of like, when does it stop? And then when can we just like lower the bar and realize that everybody has imperfections and kind of embrace them. Like, I think there is that place sometimes. And like, sometimes I try to do that personally with my aging, you know, where I'm kind of like, I just feel the urge to embrace it. And then there are other times where I'm kind of like, I feel proud almost in like embracing mm -hmm. that and feeling like there's something that feels good about like not fighting against that all the time. It's kind of like what you said where like your thoughts are not like permanent states of being like you can have the two different thoughts about the same thing on a totally different day. Like sometimes I'll put up a picture and I want to put up a pic, I post a feed picture where I like feel like I look great. And other times I have a picture where I'm like, I'm look like I'm having a lot of fun and I'm like, this is feels like a more genuine picture. Yeah. And I put it up and I feel like good that I'm like being real. And then the next day I'm like, I look at that picture again. I'm like, I really don't like the way like, right. <laughs> like totally. my arm looks yes. in that picture. I can't believe I put it up, even though I look like I'm having fun. Like I know I just, this is up permanently and everyone can see it. Right. Like, I'm the only one who's going back to this picture. But I think that it's funny because like you could have the same feeling just depends on the day, just like, yes. like a completely different feeling on the same thing. So, you know, and none, I don't know if any of them people, I think it, you, everyone has this urge to like, be in this permanent state of like, I'm above that. Mm -hmm. Or I don't, you know what I mean? I'm not someone who does that. Yes. Or I am someone who does that. And I don't think, I think it's totally fine all the time when really it's kind of like, it kind of depends on the moment. Yep. A hundred percent. I totally agree. But I do feel personally like my, when I'm in my best mindset, when I'm being mindful, when I've spent time meditating, when I'm taking good care of like my mind and my body and my soul those are the times, this is just personally for me, mm -hmm. those are the times when I feel the urge to embrace my real self and to just like feel proud of accepting myself. I feel like the times when I'm like looking at other people and wanting something different than what I have or wanting to look like someone else or feel younger again or feel more perfect or fit or whatever are the times when I'm usually not doing enough of the like internal work. Yes. Like mm -hmm. caring for myself, meditating, accepting like this, all the stuff that we talk about on here. So, and not always, you know, not always it does like 
come randomly sometimes, but I think I've noticed that pattern just for myself. I could see that. Yeah. That makes sense. But I think you do. You also do a very good line. I think of, you know, embracing who you are. Yeah. And look, I know as you know, many people do, and I don't ever take for granted the fact that I feel blessed in a lot of ways and like that I, you know, I'm healthy and I don't have any, you know, major health issues or any deformities or anything that, you know, would make like loving myself, you know, easy compared to other people. So I, I, you know, I think that that's another aspect of it too, that people are dealing with just different things that, you know, even like a, you know, a teenager that's dealing with like really bad acne or something like that. It's kind of like there are things that are there all the time that are hard to kind of, you know, rise above and kind of realize like, okay, I'm going to accept this about myself and still kind of focus on the parts of myself that are the big picture stuff. But that's, it's not easy. Like you said, comes in waves, right? Um, Some days are more confident than others. Totally. All right. Well, I think that's our time. Great work today. Oversharing is produced by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Picot, and Rebecca Salz-McCann. Editing by Vasilio Perez. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Send your advice emails to oversharing at Betches.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-363-6294. Thank you to our sponsor, Netflix. Bridgerton is back, bringing us another scandalous and sexy season. And dearest gentle readers, you will not want to miss this chapter. In season three, longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom, but she needs Colin's help to find a marriage match. Will these friends defy odds and expectations to find true love? And will Penelope's secret identity as famed gossip writer Lady Whistledown destroy any chance she may have at love? You shall have to watch and see. Watch part one of Bridgerton, only on Netflix May 16th. Betches.